Hi there, friends. Welcome to the Still Becoming Podcast, a place where women like you and me find help to move from where you are to where you want to be. I'm your host, Laura Acuna. The Still Becoming Podcast is where we gather to rethink our thinking about ourselves, our lives, and about our God. We will learn to reframe our shame and trade in limiting beliefs for the liberating truth from God's Word. And why the title Still Becoming? Because that's the Christian journey, isn't it? As we apply God's perfect Word to our lives for growth and change, we are always growing, always learning, and still becoming the women He created us to be. It's never perfect, and it's not too late. Do I need to say that again? It is never perfect, and it is not too late. Sadly, the thread that runs through so many of our lives is shame. But with each Still Becoming episode, we will replace the thread of shame with the thread of self-compassion and God's glorious grace. I am so glad you're here for the journey, and I'm praying that God will speak directly to you through today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back. Before we head on to episode two, I want to take a quick look back on episode one just for a few seconds. If you remember, I shared with you that I was afraid that if I gave up dieting, it would mean giving up my dream, my dream of becoming healthy and whole. And so what I want to share with you is that, yes, as you know, I did give up dieting, but I didn't give up my dream. I gave up many things for sure on this healing journey, but my dream was not one of them. I hope that assures you today because it's true that when we walk away from something that we've held onto for security for so long, we can be so afraid that there'll be nothing but darkness on the other side. But that is not true. That is not true. So over the next several episodes, I'm going to share with you the things that I have given up, that I've walked away from, that I've had to let go of, that I've had to pry my fingers off of, you name it, they had to go. And it's my deepest hope and prayer that through my story and from the things that God has shared with me and taught me, that you will see your story and mine and you will be encouraged too. So let's get going with episode two, what I've given up on the healing journey. I gave up stuffing my emotions and dimming my light. Zephaniah 3.1 says this, the accumulated sorrows of your exile will dissipate. I, your God, will get rid of them for you. You've carried these burdens long enough. Oh, girls, Haven't we carried these burdens long enough? The burdens of body image, of food, of dieting, of beauty, of aging, you name it. Haven't we carried these burdens long enough? And isn't it time to allow God to get rid of them for us? Now, along the way, I've done a little research on the typical woman with disordered eating. And I want to pause and just say this. Those of us who suffer with disordered eating often have black and white thinking, and that makes sense because that's the dieting mindset, all or nothing. But we're going to have to lay that aside as we're on the healing path because that will not serve us well as we leave a lot of this stuff behind. Now, I'm going to be reading a paraphrase from the work of Dr. Anita Johnston, who is a world-renowned expert on women with disordered eating. And as research has been done over time, A typical personality has emerged. But again, this is not black and white. This is not every woman. This is the typical woman. So let me read my paraphrase of Dr. Johnston's work. The typical woman who suffers from disordered eating picked up early in her life 
that her emotions needed to be tamped down, hidden away, and silenced. She often felt she was too much and not enough, all at the same time. Many report they had a pervasive sense of not fitting in, not seeing things the way others did, and of being a misfit. Naturally intuitive and sensitive, this posed a problem for her. Her family, for one reason or another, did not appreciate her sensitivity, perspective, and honesty. She often received the message, sometimes nonverbally, that her outspoken questioning behavior was not acceptable. Keeping the peace was the priority. There was to be no rocking the family boat. So she did what anyone with limited choices would do. She complied, silenced herself, denied her intuition, and voluntarily dimmed her light. And she did it by turning to food for comfort and dieting for some measure of control. Now, I have to tell you that this childhood and adolescent experience is my long and winding story. And when I first read this, I was stunned. In fact, I started sobbing, grown woman sobbing in my living room, because for decades, I didn't think I was typical anything. I thought I was all alone. And so, friend, we've only been together for one episode. <laughs> And we've just started episode two, but it is my deepest desire that what you have heard from me so far, and more importantly, what God has said to you so far, has convinced you that you're not alone. You are not alone. I long believe the attributes that God designed me with, my thin skin, my curiosity, intuition, and ability to read in between the lines, were flaws instead of gifts. The shamer, oh girls, the shamer loves to distort what is good. As children, we had very little in the way of choices. It was reasonable for us to adapt to the expectations that surrounded us. But here's the thing. We're not children anymore. Our childhood coping mechanisms are obsolete. They don't work. Instead of helping us to survive, they now threaten to keep us from becoming our true selves, the women God created us to be. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. It's time to set aside our childish ways. For most of my life, I have been an Olympic-level, world-class stuffer. I didn't quite feel safe, needless to say, expressing my genuine emotions. I remember my mother sharing a story about when I was in the third grade, and she really didn't have to tell me the story. I lived it, but she would tell this story many times over the years. When I was in third grade, I had a very difficult, stern teacher who controlled the class with humiliation. And I don't know any teacher that is successful using that technique, but it certainly didn't work on me. It terrified me. And so we would say our times tables in order to get a sticker on a chart by her desk every day after lunch. And every day after lunch, even though I knew my times tables inside and out, I would get up in front of the class, but more importantly, in front of her, and I'd freeze. I'd blow it. And then she'd start humiliating me. She questioned whether I was lying about practicing at home and gave me a look and then sent me back to my seat. And it was horrible. Back in those days, we could go home for lunch if we wanted to. So I went home for lunch every day. But when lunch was over, I would beg my mother not to go back to school. And it was alarming because I'd always loved school until I got to the third grade. So my mom made an appointment with the teacher and she went to see her and she expressed to her what was going on when I came home for lunch every day, that I was crying, that I was begging, that I was having a tantrum, really, begging my mother not to send me back to school because I was so afraid to say my times tables in front of my teacher. 
And my teacher had a very interesting reaction to my mother. My teacher started laughing. And she said to my mother, I can't believe it. That's amazing. She's crying and carrying on at home. She said, because no matter what I do to her, no matter how angry I get with her, no matter what I say to her, Laura never cries. Let that sink in for a minute. I remained in that class for the rest of the year with the intention that I would learn how to get along with difficult people. And I probably did learn some of that. But what I really learned was how to stuff how I felt, how to pose and pretend, how to put a smile on my face when inside I was dying and carry on. And I continued that for most of my life. I would like to say here and now that's not a very honest way to live, even if it's done with a smile. The truth is, when negative emotions arise, people like us turn to food for comfort because we're uncomfortable and we don't want to feel those feelings. We don't know how to express our emotions because we haven't really been taught to in a safe way. But I want to ask you, when emotions flood in and we're uncomfortable, can we, instead of stuffing or exploding, as some people do, can we practice a pause and turn to Jesus? Now, I know that sounds like the proverbial Sunday school answer, but trust me, it isn't. Listen to Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge. Selah. Now, the Hebrew word Selah occurs between verses or paragraphs in parts of the Old Testament, most often the Psalms, indicating a pause for contemplation. There are no throwaway words in the Bible. It's there for a reason. It means to stop and listen to pause and praise. And girls, if we can just stop and pour our hearts out before God before running to the fridge and stuffing our emotions with food, we take another giant step forward on the healing path. This is huge. This is huge. It takes practice and it's going to take time. But I promise you, the fruit of this is remarkable. In Matthew 6, 6, Matthew describes beautifully what it's like to sit before God and be our true selves, processing our emotions before him. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. There's that word grace. This is a graceful, gentle process. It is not harsh. It takes time, but it's well worth it. I gave up stuffing my emotions and dimming my light, but I discovered the path to healing is safe and beautiful, and my emotions are legit, and I can be my true self. Friends, I am so excited to share that my new book, Still Becoming, Hope, Help, and Healing for the Diet-Weary Soul, will be published on December 13th. Still Becoming is a 31-day devotional journal that takes you on a sacred journey where you'll discover true freedom and that healing and peace have nothing to do with the number on a scale. Join me and learn to rethink your struggles with disordered eating, body image, and dieting through the lens of self-compassion and God's grace. And even though Still Becoming releases on December 13th, it's available for pre-order today. And if you order before December 13th, There'll be lots of freebies offered through my website. So go to laura-acuna.com and order your copy of Still Becoming today. I'm praying for redeemed, restored, and repaired hearts as we take the first brave steps toward thinking of ourselves 
and our struggles in a brand new way. I gave up hiding from the truth of my life. Psalm 51.6 says this, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. As we allow ourselves to feel the emotions we've avoided for so long, stories will emerge from our past that can advise us on our why. And what do I mean by our why? Why do I turn to food for comfort and calm? Why did this happen to me in the first place? As these recollections pop up, it's important to pause once again and ask God what we need to glean from these memories. All along the way, he's intimately involved in our healing. He sits with us in both our joyful and heartbreaking stories. In Nehemiah 4, the people of Judah, with Nehemiah as their leader, began to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But scripture tells us before any rebuilding could be done, they first had to come to terms with the rubble and the ruins. Nehemiah 4.10 In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah and his team of helpers had to clear out what was left of the broken before rebuilding. And we do too. Acknowledging the truth of our story is important. We can confidently go there with God and dare to look at what was broken and allow him to help make sense of it all. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, God, pick up the pieces. Put me back together again. You are my praise. I think sometimes we believe that if we go back and try to make sense of our story, we will fall to pieces. But God will always, always put us back together again. He really will. I've heard him referred to as the divine archaeologist. What a perfect name for our healer. If we allow him to, that's the key, he will gently and tenderly excavate the layers and layers of life that have happened to us. Like a human archaeologist, he will do it slowly and methodically, taking great care not to injure. It takes time. But finally, underneath it all, after gently scraping and digging and brushing, the treasure is found. He washes it clean, and he brings it up out of the dark and into the light. What was found may be broken, but unlike the human archaeologist, he has all the pieces, and he redeems, and he restores, and he repairs. Now recovered, the treasure reveals a history of what's been going on under the surface over many, many years, along with the beautiful tale of the divine archaeologist who cared enough to dig deep into the dark earth to rescue. Friend, I've invited God to excavate the layers of my life for a long time now. It has been a crucial part of my recovery. And since I'm still becoming, the excavating will continue. I've learned to trust him with that. I can tell you with certainty that without going back, you cannot move forward. If we hide from the truth of our lives, if we bury it, we will never be healthy and whole. We look back at our experiences and our story with self-compassion and curiosity to gain understanding and the journey toward healing moves forward. I want to read a scripture to you that's one of my favorites. It is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Well, there's that word grace again. That's who he is. 
I gave up hiding from the truth of my life and asked God to help me find and understand the missing pieces of my story. Amen. Well, I'm going to read a soul fitness challenge to you now at the end of episode two, and then I'm going to pray for you. Soul fitness, strengthening your core. Today, ask God to excavate the layers of your past. Ask him to clarify questions when memories pop up. Sit in stillness and listen. Practice a Selah. You may need to process revelations with a trusted friend or even a counselor. Openness is such a brave step on the healing path. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I pray that the sister listening right now is ready to look back so she can move forward. Some of the memories may be painful. Thank you, God, for promising to stay close to us when we're hurting. We want to be healthy and whole. We're committing today to do what it takes to become free. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me, friends. I'm so glad you came. And before you go, if you enjoyed our time together, and I really hope you did, please subscribe to the Still Becoming podcast, leave a review, and tell your friends. And I'd love to stay in touch. The best way is for you to subscribe to my newsletter, The Latest from Laura, via my website. And of course, I'm on all the socials. You can find all the links in the show notes. Thanks again for coming by, and I'll see you next time on the Still Becoming podcast. 